The title of my message tonight is, We Shall Be Like Him. Do you believe that? We shall be like Him. How many of you brought the Word of God with you tonight? That's good. If you want to open it tonight, we're going to look at 1 John 3, verse 2. 1 John 3 and verse 2. Very important words for us tonight and very real words for our experience. Beloved, who is he speaking to? Us. Let's make this word personal for us. Is it for us? Yes. Beloved, now. When? Now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know, what do we know? We know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. What a promise. We shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Now, that's a pretty familiar verse, isn't it? I think it's pretty familiar. But there are two parts of this verse that I want to highlight tonight. The first is now. Now are we the sons, and can I say that we are now the sons and daughters? You're just talking to men here? Now are we the sons and daughters. Now are we the children of God. Right now. Do we really appreciate this, friends? Think about it. Do we really appreciate right now in this moment that we can be called sons of the Most High God? Is that a privilege? Is it an honor? Is it a responsibility? You know, my son, Josiah, our son, is right now starting his training in the West Wind School of Aeronautics near Phoenix. We left him before we came here. We're spending a little time with he and his comrade Thomas who are going through the program together side by side to encourage each other. But you know, I want to believe that my son, Josiah, is going to make me pleased that he honors me in the way he represents his God in this program. In the way he represents how we as his parents have raised him, how we have given him responsibility, how we have entrusted him with independence. And we believe that he will honor us in those decisions in his school program. So let's think about it in those terms. Now those are very human terms, but do parents like to be honored? (laughs) Yes. So do you think it's a privilege to be called a son or a daughter of God tonight? I don't think we understand like we should what a blessed privilege it is to be a son of God. Joint heirs with Christ Jesus. That's one thing I want to highlight tonight. And I think that encourages me, and I hope it encourages us to the second part that I want to highlight. Because I believe if we really appreciate being a son of God, if we really understand the privilege of being his son, it will encourage us that we shall be like him. We can be like him. We will be like him if we let him work in us. What does it mean to be like him? You know, I found one of the blessings of study in the Bible is really coming to understand a little bit more of what the words mean. So when it says we shall be like him, what does that mean? 
Well, as I looked up that word, like, <laughs> doesn't sound like a very complicated word, does it? It means that we will be the same as him. Now, does that take on some significance? That we, when we shall see him, that we shall be like him, we shall be the same as him. We shall have his likeness. Then it goes on, it says, we will have the same character as him. That's what it means to be like him. So when we shall see him, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. What will happen, friends? And I don't want to dwell on the negative side of this, but for a moment, what will happen to the people who see him who are not like him? The Bible says that they will be consumed by the brightness of his glory. That's what will happen to people who have not chosen to be in him, to be like him, to be changed by him. You see, friends, we shall be like him in reality, not just in theory. We shall become like him. Is that a blessed hope? Is it? That is a blessed hope. And it is our hope today. Do you believe it's possible? Oh, yes. It is possible. Did Enoch believe that it was possible? Where is Enoch now? With who? He's with him. He's already proven that a human being can become like him, so much like him that He's there with him in reality. Is that a token of what's ahead for us? Did Abraham believe it? Yes, he did. And David. You know, I'm so thankful that God allowed real people to be in the Bible. And I'm thankful that God allowed real people's terrible mistakes and conscious choices to sin to be recorded in the Bible for us. For an excuse? No. For a blessed encouragement because all these people, people like Jacob who was named supplanter from the womb. Did you know that? Supplanter. Did he live to his name? But he got a new name, didn't he? Who did he get the new name from? And what did he go through to get the new name? He wrestled with God and he prevailed with God and received a new name. Can we have that experience? Yes, friends, we must have that experience. Let's look at verse 3 as we go on down. In verse 3 it says, And every man that hath this hope, this is our hope, every man that hath this hope in him, purifieth himself even as he is pure. Now notice here, this hope in who? Yes. Now this is one of those phrases in the Bible that could have two meanings, and both of them are very appropriate. First of all, every man that has this hope in him, if I say you have this hope in you, I'm talking about you. If I have this hope in me, I'm talking about me. But it says that every man that hath this hope in him purifieth himself. Now, let's take those same words, hath this hope in him. Where is our hope based, friends? In him. So, the hope that's in us can only be real hope if we are in him. And then, we become like him. You see, this hope in us only comes in him. But what then will we do with this hope? If it is in him, what will we do? What will happen to us as a response to having this hope? What does it say in the rest of the verse? Purifieth himself. Purifieth himself. 
You mean we have to do the job of purifying? I thought a leopard couldn't change its spots. I thought we couldn't add any stature to ourselves by worrying about it. Can we change ourselves? What does it mean? Purifieth himself. It means, friends, that we will cooperate with God in this purification process. We will respond to his promptings. We will respond to his power. We will respond in faith to the grace that he offers to us to be transformed day by day, choice by choice, into the likeness of Jesus Christ. That's purifying ourselves. The three practical areas that I believe are often neglected or misunderstood in this purification process. And I want to talk about them tonight. Number one is the study of God's Word. It's pretty obvious that people who believe in God should be spending time in His Word, but it's often neglected. And I won't take a survey tonight because that wouldn't be right. (laughs) But if I were to take a survey in the busy lives of you folks tonight, and I know that you're all busy, do you know how I know that? Because I know what world you live in. Because I live in it too. We're all in a busy world, aren't we? So, it's often neglected. The study of God's Word and prayer. Now, I know all of you believe in prayer here, right? You believe in it. You know you need it. Prayer is the breath of the soul. You don't want to suffocate spiritually, right? But I'm not going to take a survey tonight about how many hours you've been in prayer over the last week. Because that might be embarrassing to some of us, right? Because the devil doesn't like us to pray, so he wants us to neglect prayer and suffocate us spiritually. Suffocate our souls. And number three, faith in action. Missing in many lives today. It's neglected. It's not something that people want to exercise. Faith in action. We're told that the only way a person can be pure is to become like-minded with God. Is that wisdom? You want to have a pure mind? Become like-minded with God. How can we know God is the question that's asked? By studying His Word. This reveals the mind of God. We want to be pure? This is where we find purity. These are the principles that purify the soul and give us a mind that's like the mind of God. Turn with me to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy, the second chapter and the 15th verse. Now this is another fairly familiar text. It says, study. Do what? Study. doesn't say read. Now there's nothing wrong with reading, okay? But it says, study to show thyself what? Approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly, what? Rightly dividing the word of truth. So, the first thing that we must do is take time or make time to study God's Word. Because how can, we, how can we become workmen or how can we rightly divide the Word if we're not taking time in the Word? So, first, we must make time to study God's Word. Now, I'm going to assume that everybody does this. But when I made this assumption, the Lord reminded me that I needed to say this, okay? So I'm not going to assume that everybody here who opens the Word of God prays before they begin to study. Yes? If we are not 
praying for God to give us wisdom when we open the Word of God. We leave ourselves wide open for delusion. And I have met many people. I've had some unique opportunities over the last few years to meet some very subtle and hard delusions for people who have wrested the Word of God out of its context. You see, Psalm 119 Verse 18 says, Open thou mine eyes. Do what? Open thou mine eyes that I might behold wondrous things out of thy law. We need our eyes opened, illuminated by the Holy Spirit before we go to the study of God's Word. Secondly, we must truly learn to study God's Word, not just read God's Word. Is there a difference? There is a vast difference between studying and reading. When we are studying, we should be studying to be like Him. That's the purpose of God's Word. This whole letter, if you will, that He has given to us as His sons and daughters is all designed to show us the way to become like Him. We were created in whose image? And he's trying to bring us back to that restored image to be like him. We study to be like him, not just to know a theory of the truth. I remember, and I want to illustrate this from my, my school years, and I, I wish I didn't have to admit this. Well, I don't have to admit it. I'm choosing to admit it, but I wish it weren't true. I did not appreciate some parts of my educational process like I should have. I did not appreciate the sacrifice that my parents made. I have wept at times when I realize what my parents did to put me through school. And you know what I did in much of my high school years of school? I was just having a good time. And so what I would do, because I had a very good memory when I was in school, was blessed with a good memory but did not utilize that blessing in the Lord as much as I should have, I would, I can remember one day, it was my junior year in academy. And there was a test on the preamble of the Constitution. And in that test, we had to write verbatim by memory, the preamble of the Constitution at the beginning of the test. And our teacher told us this in our last class period. Wasn't that nice of the teacher? About 10 minutes before class started, I had to memorize the preamble and then run to class before the second bell rang. And I wrote the whole thing out. But... I can't remember any of it today. You know why? Sadly, I did that just to pass the test in school. In my auto mechanics class, I had the opportunity, and and I didn't understand then how much I needed it because I'm not very mechanically oriented. Okay, It wasn't just because I didn't learn in this auto mechanics class, but I could have learned a lot more in this auto mechanics class, but there were three or four of my friends in auto mechanics. So you know what I was doing in auto mechanics class? I was having fun with my friends. Instead of learning auto mechanics, I passed the class, did okay, learned the things that I had to learn, you know, where the things were in the motor and the names and all these kinds of things, the mechanical surface things, but I did not learn auto mechanics because I did not study to show myself approved, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Can this apply to the Word of God, friends? Does it sometimes apply to the Word of God? It has in my early Christian experience. It definitely has. Just reading to get knowledge. And yes, we need knowledge. Our people perish for a lack of knowledge, but knowledge alone is not enough. We need to study to show ourselves approved unto God. 
workmen that need not be ashamed. Why? Because we can rightly divide the word of truth. Because we can be in a situation where someone comes to us and they have a need and we can share a practical solution to that need. I had a pastor come to me recently after we had done a seminar. And I really appreciate it because that pastor had some real skepticism about us at the beginning of the, of the series of meetings. And he was a bit aloof. But that pastor came to me at the end of the meetings. And he talked to me privately. And I appreciated his openness. That man desired some answers that he was not finding in some situations in his life. And he had the courage to come. But I, the reason I use this example is because we need to study to be prepared to know how to answer any man. What is the reason for our faith? He came to me because of what he heard in the presentation. He came to me believing I would have an answer from the Word of God, a principle, and he came right to the point and asked me, and I praise God that I had an answer to give to that man. It isn't just for us, brothers and sisters. It isn't just so we can know answers. It's so we can help others to find the way to become what God is calling each of us to become. Study to show thyself approved. Number four, let the Scripture be its own interpreter. This is one of the greatest blessings that we've experienced in our home over the years, is letting God's Word interpret itself. Oh, we've heard some wild things come across our desks in writing, phone calls, some wild ideas, every wind of doctrine blowing. Let God's Word be its own interpreter. Line upon line, precept upon precept. Here a little, there a little. Don't take one verse. Don't stand upon one verse unless there is nothing else in the entire Bible but that one verse, and that's the verse that God wants you to stand upon. But so many people today will take one verse and take it completely out of its context and use it inappropriately. And that is not studying to show ourselves approved as workmen, rightly dividing the word of truth. Someone came to my son recently at one of the camp meetings. And Josiah told me this later at the end of the camp meeting. But this man came to him and was strongly reproving him because he referred to me in one of our messages we were speaking together for the, the Sabbath morning message. The family was speaking together, and Josiah referred to me as his father. He said, my father. Well, I didn't find out till later, but that man caught him, <laughs> not physically, but after the, later in the day, on Sabbath, he came to Josiah and he reproved him quite strongly that he should call no man his father, save his father in heaven. Now, what verse did he use? He had his Bible ready. Okay? Matthew 23, verse 9 says, Call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. There was the verse. The word of God spoken to my son, directly reproving him. Don't call any man on earth your father. I'm thankful that my son had a respectful and ready answer for this man. He did not debate with him which he's capable of doing, and I'm thankful he didn't. It used to be one of the weaknesses that I had was getting into debates over truth. But let me ask you a question. Did this man speak the truth? 
Did he quote the right verse? <laughs> this is not a trick question. He, he did quote a verse that I can show you in the Bible, and you can look it up for yourself. Matthew 23, verse 9 says, Call no man your father upon earth. Is that pretty plain? Okay. But it's not plain unless you put it in the context. Do you know who spoke these words? Jesus. And now if you, and, and I don't want everybody going off now and starting to read the story. Okay? <laughs> but you can read the story later. But the context, I'll tell you what the context is. Jesus is talking about people who are referring to their rabbis and to their masters. Okay? And can I take that a step farther? When people are referred to as the, their priest father, their reverend, okay? These are titles given to people that place them somewhere that God never intended for them to have on earth, okay? That's where the title should only be for God, our heavenly father, not given to some priestly role or some ministerial position that was the context because jesus himself said honor thy father and thy mother that was one of his commandments the fifth jesus himself so we know and of course there's many many verses in the bible but this is what happens if we don't rightly divide the truth line upon line Precept upon precept, here a little and there a little. We end up with erroneous conclusions that seem to be the word of God. Okay, so we talked about studying God's word. Now we want to talk about prayer. That's the second area that's being neglected many times in this process of being purified to be like him. We shall be like him. Go to Matthew 26, verse 41. Matthew 26 and verse 41. This is Jesus, again, speaking to his disciples. He says to them, watch and pray. Why? That ye enter not into what? Okay, now notice why he's speaking these words and why this is so important for them to watch and pray because he gives the reason. He says, the spirit indeed is what? Willing. We, we really want to do what's right, don't we? He says, I know that you want to do what's right. You're willing to do what's right. But, what? The flesh is weak. Do you know what that means, friends? Have you personally experienced it? I have. My wife and I were just talking about this recently. As the Lord continues to bring this purification process closer to us. Right, dear? We shall be like him. You want to be like him? And if we're going to be like him, we have to be changing don't we we have to be transformed by the renewing of our minds by his grace we must cooperate with him and be changed our thought processes need to be purified and if our thoughts get purified the things we speak get purified the fountain in other words needs to get purified let this mind be in you is our admonition isn't it that was also in who? The one we want to be like. The spirit of deed is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, we can know what is right. We can believe it with all of our heart that it's right. We can desire to do it with earnestness. But if we are not watching and praying with diligence, and this is one of the things that my wife and I were talking about, Diligence, vigilance in prayer to keep the mind tuned to the Lord. If we are not watchful 
and diligent in our prayers. The willingness of our spirit that may have started very beautifully in the morning with God, the willingness to do His will that was honest-hearted will die out quickly. Have you ever experienced it? I know you have. It dies out quickly in the face of what? (laughs) When self gets ruffled, right? Oh, the Lord was calling to me the other day. Yesterday it was. (laughs) Uh, You know these little things here I'm holding up? This this PDA? I've never really been... I've always been a paper and pencil person. See, this has got the time on it, how long I've been speaking. (laughs) This thing I've had problems with. And I called Sony yesterday. You know, it's like calling AT&T or, you know, Sprint or... I called Sony, and I got, I got this long menu of this automated thing first. And I finally was able to connect to a real person eventually. And the person I got connected to that I could not understand. And as soon as I heard their voice, the Lord called to me. And he, he said this long string of things to me, and, and my heart just went to the Lord. Because I knew that even under the best circumstances, this was going to be a trial with Sony. Okay? I knew it. I had actually been on my knees praying before I picked up the telephone because I knew this, these little gadgets can turn into trials because the people on the other end say, well, our pol- Mr. Waters, our policy is that, and you've been there, haven't you? And I knew what could happen potentially. Well, <clears throat> I had to ask him several times what he was saying, and finally I was able to get what he was saying, and then I told him my problem. You know how you have to explain it, and then they they turn you over to somebody else? And you wish you could have been connected to that person first? And so I said, as soon as I could get a clear understanding, I said, maybe it would be better if you just connected me with your supervisor because I'm afraid I'm going to have to go through all this stuff, and it's going to be outside of your jurisdiction and your authority and your policies, and I'll have to have you connect me to the supervisor. He said, No, Mr. Waters, I can handle it. And we went through this whole process, and guess what happened? Got to the end of it all, and he said, he couldn't help me. (laughs) You know what I wanted to say to him? You do. (laughs) The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Isn't that humanity? But I'm thankful to tell you, brothers and sisters, the Lord kept me. He can keep us. But I had to be vigilant and watch in prayer. And I was on my knees because I knew there were times in the past when I can handle this thing with Sony, right? Or AT&T, it'll be easy. No. I knew I needed to get on my knees and ask God to give me grace. And his grace was there. He kept calling to me and calling to me. And I kept responding and responding because I want to be like him. And that's how it happens, brothers and sisters, isn't it? It's, it's there in real life with us. If it's not happening there, where is it happening? In church? <laughs> if it's not happening there, it's not happening. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen there in those little trials of daily life. Watch and pray lest she enter into temptation. Oh, pray without ceasing. Is that possible? Why would God say something like that? Pray without ceasing. I believe that we will come to understand those words one day, don't you? And I I just hope that we will come to understand them through our choices rather than our Lack of choice, if you know what I mean by that. I mean, I believe God loves us enough that he's going to allow us to get into situations that are going to be so difficult that we are going to to have to depend upon him constantly. But we can learn that now by choice, voluntarily, if we're willing. I want to be willing. You know, when I'm talking to people on the telephone, I do... 
quite a lot of telephone counseling, especially with married couples, separated couples, even couples that are in divorce proceedings. And I tell you, friends, when I am in that position, I know what it means to pray. I pray before I begin, and I pray during the time. But you know, we, we need to come to that in all of life, don't we? Because really, all of life becomes an extension. Your epistles, known and read of all men, we're told. So it's not just in a counseling session that I need to be praying, is it? No, it's not just in those situations. When I come up before you to speak, do you think I recognize my need of divine power? <laughs> oh, yes. Over there in my cabin, on my knees, praying before I come here. I'm sitting down there in my seat when the songs are being sung and I fade out and pray. I know my need of the Lord. But he wants us to be in that position all day long. Turn in your Bibles with me to Mark one thirty-five. I know this is another familiar verse. Mark, the first chapter, the 35th verse. In the morning. When? In the morning. Rising up a great while before day, he went out. Who went out? Jesus went out and departed into a solitary place. And did what? There prayed. Prayer is the breath of the soul. Are you taking time to pray? Are you taking time to breathe deeply from communion with God? You know, I've I've come to, over the years, pray in what I call gospel order. Praying first for a new heart, the experience of David, in Psalm 51, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And Ezekiel 36, a new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away, what? The stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. Are these promises for us? I need those promises every day. I need a new conversion every day. And so I pray first for my own needs. I used to think that was selfish. (laughs) No, I pray first for my own needs because if my own needs are not met with God, I cannot meet other people's needs. Then I pray for my personal perplexities and concerns. I pray for each one of my immediate family members specifically. I pray for my extended family. I pray for my ministry associates and the needs of this ministry. And then I pray for other friends and special requests and needs in prayer. I pray for my church family. Praying in gospel order has been a blessing. And I want to encourage you, if you flounder in your prayer time, consider praying in gospel order. You see, gospel order is simply My relationship with God first. My relationship with my marriage, with with my wife next. My relationship as a father to my children. My relationship as head of the home and my family to the relationships of those around us. It just goes out from there. And it makes sense to pray in gospel order. And when I pray, brothers and sisters, I believe. I pray in faith, believing. And I pray according to the will of God. And if I question whether it's the will of God, I pray that his will will be done. But when I know it's the will of God, I pray in faith, nothing wavering. That's what James tells us to do in James chapter 1. In Mark, in in the 11th chapter, if you want to turn there just a few chapters over, Mark 11.24, Jesus again is instructing us. He says, Therefore I say unto you that what things soever ye desire, when ye pray. So he's talking about when we're in our prayer time. 
What things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and ye shall what? Ye shall have them. You believe that, brothers and sisters? Now, certainly, I think all of us know, maybe not some of the young people, but young people, that doesn't always mean that you get exactly what you pray for, the exact way you pray for it, but if you're praying according to God's will, you'll get exactly what God knows you need in that prayer. And he'll take your prayer, and the Holy Spirit brings that prayer to the Father, and it's a prayer that's been made perfect when we pray in faith, and we will get what we pray for. And the last area I want to talk about tonight is a faith that leads us to action. Faith and action. Our study and our prayer time should provide us a vital connection to Jesus Christ. That's the reason for prayer. That's the reason for the study of his word, to provide us a vital connection. Now we are ready to face the day, right? To face the day with Christ, and by faith we will reveal him in action. Where? Well, in our home. And beyond our home, in our work, in school, wherever we find ourselves. Faith revealed in action. Who are we living for? Who? Christ. Who are we surrendered to? Who are we dependent on for a changed life? Christ. Whose righteousness is to be revealed in faith? Christ. And who shall we be like when we shall see him? Christ. Isn't that exciting? That's a blessed hope. I remember recently we were doing meetings. Well, it wasn't. This is spring. We were doing meetings in Romania. First time to do a family camp meeting in Romania like this. It was exciting. The people there could not have been more enthusiastic and more alive to want to do the will of God. It was so refreshing to see how they were compared to the general tenor of Christianity in North America. Do you understand what I mean by that? That place we met in was like the second largest hall in the whole area. Okay? That place was full. It was packed with people. And there were people on every hall around it, every aisleway around it were packed. They didn't have any fire marshal that came in and said, you can't do that. The people were literally two and three deep, up the side, along the whole back, all the way up to the, to the stage, the, the podium. Just packed, hungry for practical answers in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, in the midst of this family camp, we had an invitation to come and speak on the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. But it's in Romanian. (laughs) So, um, it's a little more complicated. So, we first, first of all, they asked us to come and do it, and they told us the time. They were going to give us a two-hour slot. And when they told us the time, I mean, we didn't know how it could work with all the things we had scheduled already. But he said, well, you, you know, you think about it and give me an answer as soon as possible. I need to know so I can set this up. So, we went and prayed and, Elaine and I went to our room and we prayed together, asking the Lord for direction what we should do. And as we were praying, as I was on my knees praying, thinking about this two-hour slot and all the things we had to do with the regular meetings that were already scheduled, we both got the same clear answer to go forward, okay? Accept it. And then, when I was praying quietly myself, the Lord gave me this gentle prompting. It went like this. Because I, I asked the Lord privately, not praying with my wife, Lord, what, what shall we talk about? And here's the thought that came to my mind. No audible voice, okay? That still, small voice speaking to the heart. Take no thought beforehand what ye shall speak. 
For it shall be given you in that hour what ye shall speak. For it is not ye that speak, but the Holy Spirit that will speak in you. Oh, I wish I could say amen to that too, friends. But I have to tell you honestly, okay? I didn't have enough faith. I'm just being honest with you. I didn't have enough faith that I could sit in a two-hour interview on a radio station live. You understand? And the Lord's going to give me the words to speak for two hours? So I said, Lord, <laughs> i got to write some things down. <laughs> now that's terrible, isn't it? The Lord is so merciful, though. So I wrote down a couple of pages of stuff to, just for cues. So we... We, got, we drove to the place. Our translator went with us. So there was three of us, the translator and Elaine and I, driving to the place. They told us, you can't miss it. Don't you love it when people say that? <laughs> you can't miss it. It's these twin towers. They're the only ones in Brashov. You can't miss it. We went to the only twin towers we saw. <laughs> and we could not find a soul that knew anything about the voice of hope. Now it's about 10 minutes to 2. We're supposed to go on the air at 2 o'clock. What's the devil doing, friends? But you know, this part we passed. I'm thankful for that. I wish I could say we passed the whole test. But this part we passed. All three of us rested in the Lord. And you'll hear why in a moment. But I'm so thankful we passed that test by the grace of God, none of us got anxious. None of us got irritated. None of us got, Whoa, I thought you knew where to go. <laughs> we all rested in the Lord, and we got there 15 minutes late. It's okay, though. The Lord had it under control. And they just played some nice music. They actually gave us 15 minutes to talk to the radio host. We were going to just have to walk right in and go into it. Okay? Take no thought. <laughs> but because we were late, we had 15 minutes because they had to play out that half hour. They couldn't start us right in the middle of that half hour. So we had 15 minutes to sit and talk with the lady who was going to do the hosting of this program. And as she heard our experience about what we had just gone through, she said, I want to talk about this kind of Christianity. This touches my life. These are the things I struggle with. I want to talk about this to my listening audience. They need it. Are you willing? I said, this would be great. We talked on there, Elaine and I with our translator and this lady for an hour and a half. Guess what? Never used my notes. Oh, how good the Lord is. And how willing we are in our spirits, but how weak we are in our flesh. The spirit indeed is willing, Jesus said, but the flesh is weak. What do you think, friends? Does God want to completely change us? We shall be like him. I am thankful to tell you that that experience has had a profound impact in my trust in the Lord. We can turn defeats into victories, brothers and sisters. Next time, by God's grace, in my cooperation, next time the Lord says, take no thought. Do you think I'm going to remember this experience? We can use this stumbling as a stepping stone, can't we? Because he wants to change us. Does it work in our marriages? Yes, it does. The next time we get ready to get in an argument, what can we do? Remember when he called to us last time, right? Say, Lord, save me or I perish. Will he save us? Oh, yes, he will. He will deliver us with a strong arm. He can 
keep us from falling, brothers and sisters. He can keep us from falling into sin. Do you believe it? We shall be like him. We need to study his word. We need to pray to receive breath for our soul. And then we need to take our faith and put it in action. We're going to get that chance here, aren't we? Faith in action. Time with God. Through communion with his word and through prayer. And then take our faith into the day and let God empower us to live it in action. That good news? Can it be real? And it will be real. Isn't that exciting? It will be real here. Right? Not when we go home. It will be real here. In this camp. And God will give us the opportunities. And he will give us the power that we need. And I want to just leave you with these thoughts. To commune with him through his word and prayer is to know him. To know him is to love him. To love him is to trust him. To trust him is to serve him with an unreserved consecration. I'd like Curtis to come up and close us. And as he comes forward to pray with us, as he's praying, I want each one of us to remember the promise is we shall be like him. Shall we kneel together? Our Father in heaven, thank you so much for bringing each one of us here. Thank you for protecting us, giving us safe travels. And thank you, Lord, for a wonderful place to be. Thank you for Tom and his family. And we thank you, Lord, for your grace, which sustains us. And Father, we do hope, we do pray that you will teach us to study and to have that faith as we pray and to put that faith into action. Amen. And Lord, we do have this hope that you will be formed within us. Amen. You who created Jacob, you who formed Israel, you who created each one of us, form within us Christ. Now, Lord, as we turn to our beds, we ask that you'll give us a good rest. Please watch over us. May may your angels encamp round about us and wake us up tomorrow refreshed and ready for the new day and the opportunities that you have for us to put our faith into action. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.